Welcome to Legacy Church, Amelia Island. We pray that you are blessed by the message that you are about to hear, and we believe that it will help you leave a Christ-glorifying legacy for generations to come. All right, well, if you're excited to be a part of the house today, why don't you guys put your hands together? Thank God for His goodness and His love and His mercy. If you're excited to be in 2024, put your hands together again. Are you excited about a new year? All right, be honest. Who drugged their way into the new, like, who just barely made it to 2024? Like, you just, you had to drag yourself across the line. Anybody sprint into the new year? Like, you were ready for this year. Like, you couldn't wait. Yeah, we've got a couple in there as well. Anybody think God was probably coming back before 2024? Like, anybody like, yeah, this, this ain't going to keep going. This, this is about to end. We got a few. Okay, we're like, yeah, this, this might end. It's, it's a 50-50. But we are here. So that means God has a plan and a purpose for your life is what that means. And so if you're new to here today, welcome uh, to this community of believers we call Legacy Church. My name is Carlos, and uh, we just, uh, we're so grateful for all that God has done in 2023, but we are so expectant what he's going to do here in 2024. And so with that being said, as a church family, how we start every single year of our time together in our ministry and our community with a time of prayer and fasting. And so if you're not familiar with it, don't worry, hang on. There'll be so many lessons and, and precepts and principles that you'll learn. Um, and, but if you are familiar with it and you're ready for it, it's going to be a great adventure. I can promise you that. Um, you know, because there's something about the way you begin a season can truly dictate and determine how you do in that season. And so no matter what part of the world you're from, no matter what you believe or don't believe, no matter where you find yourself today full of faith or looking for faith, you have to know this. We are all starting a new year. This thing, we don't know where we're headed. We just know the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered. And hopefully we're preparing ourselves and aligning ourselves with what we believe God to do. Now it's interesting, like in the natural things, right? Like this year, you want to bring your cholesterol down. You're going to do some things to get it right, right? You're going to get your blood pressure down. You want to get you know, physically fit. You want to do some other things. Like you're going to make some tweaks in your life. Well, how, am I, how many do you know that spiritually it's the same thing? Like if you want to see things work at home and things work in the corporate world or things work, you know, mentally, emotionally, you got to sort some things out. And so that's really what this series is going to be about. And so for some of you who it's new to, please know that you can apply this in several areas of your life. So we're excited about it. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night we'll be right here at 630 uh, with a time of prayer and worship. We hope that you join us. And uh, we're going to go through a 21-day devotional starting today as the fast begins today. Um, we'll have an app um, that you guys can see um, like a QR code, all kinds of things just to walk you through day by day encouragement. So it's going to be wonderful. Well, I'm going to begin here with what I believe is going to be something that's going to be encouraging to you no matter what place you're in in life. I'm going to talk to you from this thought. It's the hidden power of prayer and fasting. And what you're going to find out, this is not just something to be used at the beginning of the year, but this is something that you might want to use regularly in your life. This is something that when you uncover and unpack what's always been in the volumes of Scripture, what's always been there, you might see, oh, this is why Jesus was known to regularly do it. This is why we see it so often in the Scripture. So would you pray with me? God, thank you. You are faithful. You are loyal when we're not loyal. Thank you for the hope that you're going to bring today for many in a new year, Father, because the Scripture declares Lord, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so I believe you're bringing life and encouragement and joy and strength. I believe if somebody in the room and somebody online, they were not excited about 2024, but the end of this time together, the end of this message, Father, there's going to be something embedded that you're going to encourage them and show them the rest of the years will be the best of their years. And so, Holy Spirit, we surrender these next moments to you, praying that you open eyes, open ears bring souls to the kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. I'm excited. First message of the new year, first Sunday of the new year. I believe God has something special in the house. But I want to start with a thought today. Have you noticed that whenever you're with friends, you're with family, you're with work colleagues, um, you're whatever your hobbies are, wherever you frequent, maybe you're uh, in the stores, grocery shopping, and you're having conversations with people, it's very normal, right? We're talking about the weather, we're talking about sports, is your team getting in the playoffs today? Maybe or maybe not. We're talking about kids, or I see your jersey, we're talking about grandkids, like, you know, all these conversations. But have you noticed, that's normal, what's not normal is when it gets spiritual. That takes a turn, right? It's like, oh, you just brought up God or church. This happens to, this happens to me all the time, obviously. Um, but whenever you bring up spiritual things, people are like, oh, we're going there. 
there's a certain hush that falls over the crowd. All of a sudden, in public, you can hear a pin drop. Like, what, because we said Jesus, or because we said church, or because we say we live for a standard, or because, like, I want to live for God in my life, I don't want to complain about everyone and everything, I want to talk about the solutions and not the problems, anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like a hush falls over the crowd, and we live in a culture, we live in a world that's not very spiritual, let's just call it what it is. I don't care what continent, what city you are in, or, or going to, or visiting, like, there's not just a whole lot of spirituality out there. And so when you have conversations, things get a little bit different, they get a little bit weird. Let's just call it what it is, right? It gets a little bit weird. But the problem with that is we're not acknowledging what's truly happening. We at all times are in the midst of two dimensions and two worlds. We, we have a natural world, everything that we can see, everything that we can experience, and there's a spiritual world. There's a spiritual dimension at the sake of sounding like hyper-spiritual, which we are not here, but I need to be true to the Bible. There's always a natural dimension and a spiritual dimension. We are always operating in at all times. Did you know that? It's going to be important as we move forward here. At all times, there's a natural and there's a spiritual dimension. My uh, concern is more people are aware of the force from Star Wars than the force of God. Like, that's another dimension, right? And I've never gotten to the Star Wars thing. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've tried. I'm sorry if that offends you, but I just don't get it. But like, there, there's a precept I, I gather from that, that there's another dimension that they come and go from. And and in the Bible, it says this in Ephesians 6.12, and this is just kind of to set our time up together and really the series up together, that we're always going to be aware of a spiritual and natural component. Ephesians says this. It says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So what does that represent? Everything you and I see, everything you're thinking about from Monday through Sunday, everything you're thinking about, right? That's not what we're wrestling against, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age or another dimension, if you will against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So that just told you and I that everything that we do every day, we've got to be cognizant. We've got to be aware, is this a natural component or is this a spiritual component, right? Is, is, is this something that is happening in, in, in this realm or is there something greater going on here? What we learn in the Bible is this, is that those who are aware of the spiritual component in life operate at a higher level operate at a stronger level than those who don't even consider the spiritual things. It's very clear. Corinthians puts it like this. Corinthians says, so fix our eyes. Real ironic here. Just stay with me, though. Not on what is seen. So it's almost like, hey, you want to enjoy your life? You want to have peace and contentment and wholeness? You want to have a successful job and life and marriage and accomplish goals and dreams? Close your eyes. Stop looking at the reports. Stop looking at the results. Stop looking at what's on TV. Stop looking at the latest conspiracy, what's on the news. Like, close your eyes and watch God do what you really can't see. It's, it's, it's this dichotomy here, but, but go with me. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen, someone say temporary. Man, I wonder at the end of our lives when we stand before God and we say, wow, I spent 90% of my life, my power, my thoughts, my heart, my finance, I spent it on so much on what doesn't even matter when I arrived here. Fix our eyes on what is was not seen, what was unseen, since what is temporary, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, someone say, eternal. There's this eternal mindset that I want to make sure that we have understanding. As we unpack all this content in this time together, in this series, it is our goal that we walk out every Sunday having a conversation about how much time do I think about the eternal things? How much time do I consider this world will fade? And if you want to know what happens to this world, it's not hard. A couple chapters, the book's called Revelation. It's really easy to find out what's going to happen to this world. It's really easy what's going to, to find out what's going to happen to everything, all the trappings and everything. It's really easy to find out. Some people say, I don't read Revelation. Why? Feedback. Scary. That's problematic. Let me tell you why. It's the only book that says, blessed is he who reads and understands. It's in chapter one. He doesn't hide it from you. And so if we want to know how this thing ends, if we want to know why we are supposed to be eternally minded, it's because everything that you and I do, it's going to be burned up in flames. Literally, this world ends and we go to a new world. And so that's not really a part of my message, but I feel compelled to give you context. Everything that we do here in our gathering, hopefully there's an eternal value to it. Hopefully it spends not just in this world, you know, health and strength and life, spiritually speaking, for you and the generations that, that go after you, but hopefully it spends in the next life. 
So one of our biggest problems in our fallen nature is this, is that since Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve take part in the fruit and they bite, all of a sudden we have all these concerns and all these thoughts about the natural world, right? It says she looked on the fruit and she saw it pleasing to where? Not her spirit, to what? Her eye. That's what it was pleasing to. She said, forget the eternal things, forget the godly. Like, I want what's pleasing to the eye, what's to the flesh. And so since then, you and I, we've had this malady. We've had this issue. We've been ailed by worrying about the flesh so much, we are predisposed to think natural before spiritual. And so that's why oftentimes we'll try to help spiritual problems in our homes with natural resources, and it doesn't work. That's why what you say, well, God hasn't answered in a couple years or in a decade, it's really not God, it's, it's us. It's we're trying to use natural components for spiritual solutions, and it's not working. And so this predisposition now for you and I to be natural-minded people, we're always thinking things through the natural lens. Where, how does this make me feel? Well, they offended me. Well, I don't like this, and my spouse doesn't give me this. I'm sorry, I didn't know the world revolved around you. I didn't know the cosmos were in order if you can be happy today where people served you or subservient to you or said what you wanted. I'm sorry. What, what the scripture teaches us is that we are here to glorify God. We were created by him and for him. The only good thing that will be left of my life if I encourage someone to get into the kingdom. There's, everything else will burn. Do you see what I'm saying? So there's this deeper level. And that, if you were invited today, that might sound intense. But I'm trying to paint a picture here, okay? They're like, yeah, we're not coming back next week. There's a little... A lot of burning and lake of fire and ashes and brimstone here. I'm just, I'm just painting a picture here. I'm being evergreen, okay? Um, but we're predisposed to think through this natural lens. And, you know, in our life, like, remember back in the day when the WWJD bracelet were a big thing? Like, you know, what would Jesus do? And, like, it was a, the topic of conversation a lot. But if truth be told, it's not what would Jesus do. It's WWID. What would I do? Like, what gets me out of this pain the quickest? Like, I don't want this test. I don't want this trial. I don't want this, this process, you know? We all want a Red Sea miracle. We just don't want the Red Sea that comes along with the miracle. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we all want breakthrough. We don't want what, what it takes on this side to get through the breakthrough. It's, it's a strange, strange things. God, use me. Just don't let it hurt. <laughs> God, grow me. Just don't stretch me. God, do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask, think, or imagine. God, take these growing pains. God, mature me to the space I can be a leader of men, a leader of women. God, kill my spouse. They're mean to me. They have offended me. They have hurt me. They have betrayed me. Well, what you'll find out in this life is to be a bishop of Christ, a bridge to Christ, you got to get stepped on sometimes. You got to learn some things to encourage others. I have learned as I've gotten further and further in leadership, you can only help people as far as you've been tried and as far as you've been hurt. You've got to have a depth about you, a maturity about you. You've got to have a steadiness about you where you can take it on the chin and keep on swinging. You know what I'm saying? So these are things that I want you to understand and know as we walk into this series together. We're leading in our church here. We're leading a time of prayer and fasting. It's 21 days. It starts today and goes, I think the 21th day is the 28th. That's the last Sunday of the new year. And I don't want this to sound overwhelming because if you've not been familiar with this, whether you're church or unchurch, it sounds like overwhelming. Like, are you guys a little bit out there? Like, is this some kind of cult? Like, what are we doing? Like, when does the juice come in or the acid come in? Like, what, what, what's happening here? No, actually, actually, just go with me here. Um, it's very biblical. It's very painted through the scriptures uh, from Jesus, his followers, and those who even preceded him in the New Testament. And so what we want to do, we want to take our church to a deeper level with God. Crazy thought. We want to not talk about God. We want to get eye level with God. We want to look at the white of God's eyes. And what that takes in the Bible, that always takes sacrifice. No one ever got closer to God, not in the Bible and not since then. No one ever got closer to Jesus or God's purpose and plan for their life without being inconvenienced, without cutting away some things, without saying, you know what, that doesn't belong. That needs to be cut away. I don't know why I ever thought that was okay. I don't know why I ever got to that rhythm of life or that habit or that behavior, that dysfunctional space. I don't know how I arrived there. And so that's what we hope to do. We hope to walk in a place to give you some spiritual tools when it comes to this. It's a way of teaching you how to make the main thing the main thing. It's a way to help you not miss what's literally right in front of our faces. It's, it's a way to increase in our spiritual person. 
not just focusing on the natural things, but the spiritual things. Teaching about prayer and fasting has everything to do with wanting more of God, spending more time with God, and rediscovering or refreshing your relationship with God. The Bible talks about some of us have lost our first love, and whether we want to admit it or not, for many of us, that's the case. We have lost our first love. Let me take you back. I don't know how long ago for you, but do you remember when you first met God, like how exciting it was? Do you remember when you couldn't wait to continue to pray, not pray again? Do you remember when you couldn't wait to tell somebody about your testimony, about your story? You couldn't wait to tell somebody about your church. You couldn't wait to, like, find an opportunity to give towards something. You were just so motivated. You were just so just ready to move at, at the drop of hat to pray for someone, to, to do something. Let me help you understand that's the place we always want to be. We always want to be excited, and not from a fleshly, emotional standpoint, but like a place of just a spiritual posture. Like, it is a privilege I get to serve you today, God. Let me help someone understand this. God doesn't need me. God doesn't need you. I need him. You need him. And I know in our Western culture, there's a lot of conveniences we have. We're like, yeah, well, God's lucky to have me. I'm not sure that he is. (laughs) Ask yourself, what does God get out of this equation of having you in his life? What did God get out of the equation of, of sending his son to be slaughtered and tortured? He gets oneness in relationship. He gets to welcome you back to the family. He gets to have his child with a seat at a table in the last, when it's all said and done at the, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That, that's what God gets out of the equation. And so as we head in this way, I want to help you understand this, that this series, this message is for everyone whether you're going to participate in the time of prayer and fasting, whether you're just looking to see what's going on, whether you believe or don't, or whether you're figuring things out, or you just you want to hear some good worship and you just hung around for the guy talking at the end, you know. Wherever you find yourself, I want to let you know there's something here for you in all of this. And so the first thing I'm going to talk about here is prayer. Someone say prayer. Prayer is mysterious. It's like this, this, this thing you're trying to figure out and find, and like you've got that one or two family members, they can push a prayer through. Anybody got one of those? They're usually older and wiser, right? They're usually a matriarch or patriarch. Like we have those in my family, those who can push a prayer through. Let me clear the air. That's a misnomer. That's a misconception. <laughs> the thief on the cross, he's got about 30 seconds of prayer under his belt, and where does he go? From death to paradise. You know, because we come from some of us a day and age where God hears the really faithful people, those who've been grinding it out for years and have given a lot and served a lot. Yeah, that doesn't even work for the woman at the well, does that? That doesn't work for Rahab, does that? And so there's this posture and there's these things, these misconceptions. I want to just real quick dispel and then we'll jump into some, some things that prayer is about. So here's a couple of thoughts about the misconceptions of prayer. The first one is this, prayer doesn't matter. He's God. He knows my heart. No need to pray. That's a real dangerous position right there. That's a real dangerous doctrine or or theology to have there to think that I don't really need to pray because God knows my heart. It's kind of like the person says I'm a good person. (laughs) If you say God knows your heart, if you keep reading your scripture, you find out it says this, uh, the heart is evil and deceivingly wicked. Who can trust it? It says to guard your heart because, man, everything you do flows from it. So if you're going off of that basis, yeah, God knows your heart and it's evil and it's wicked. (laughs) Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him about these hard issues. Let's make sure that we are surrendering everything to him. Here's the next thought. Prayer is about making God give me what I want, when I want. Anybody come from that old school mentality, that maybe upbringing, maybe that church situation, where like, no, prayer and fasting, God's going to give me what I want. At the end of 21 days, I'm going to blab it and I'm going to grab it, right? I'm going to bring a seed, and it's going to, it's going to materialize, and I'm going to plant an oak tree, and in 21 days, it's going to be. I am sorry that that was a thought or a thing or a prayer or a, a message preached. That is not prayer. That is manipulation. That's mind games. People say, I, was it yesterday? Yesterday. I ran into somebody, and it got awkward because I got spiritual, and they talked about, well, I don't go to church because they manipulate you. I said, you're right. And they're like, what? I said, you're right. There's a lot of places that will manipulate you unless you know your Bible. Unless you know your Bible. Because this is a two-way street, right? I've got to read my word and you've got to read your word. And so as I'm teaching and preaching, you can call it out if it's not God, but you've got to know your word. 
And so whatever perceptions, things that are out there, like as long as we know our word, we cannot be manipulated. The wool can't be pulled over our eyes. I got any Gideons out there. Any any Gideons know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I'm going to show myself. I'm going to know God's word so I know what's going on. But prayer is about not making God give me what I want. Um, It's really about uh, knowing that it pleases him to give us good gifts. We just have to have our hearts right with him. Here's another one. Uh, Prayer is about twisting God's arm behind his back to make him do what he doesn't want to do. Almost like he's a vindictive slumlord. Like, give me what's mine. No, no, he's, he's a loving parent. He's a loving father that, that can't wait to lavish his love, not just on your generations, but the generations after you. The Bible says it very clearly. And so there's these misconceptions that, uh, you know, he's a genie in a bottle. I'm going to rub him. He's give me what I want. No, and, and he doesn't really want what's good for me, so i got to bend his arm behind his back through prayer and maybe some fasting, maybe, maybe hurt real bad. Like, no, that, that's not it at all. And so if those are some things that you've thought you brought in here today, someone has taught you or you might feel throughout the next 21 days, let me just help you know that's not from God. That's from your wacky background. Well, that's from the enemy planting seeds that are not from the word of God. Of all the things the disciples witness, it's very, very interesting. Can you think of all the things the disciples witness? Like, just play it out in your mind real quick. The things you can remember from memory, the things that disciples witness Jesus do. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we don't even have a tenth of the things that Jesus did. It said if we had all the things that Jesus did, it said the volumes of the world couldn't contain them. Can you think about that for a moment? All of the miracles, the wonders, the signs of him being Messiah, we can't, we could, the world couldn't, the world's volumes, Google couldn't contain them. All the things they saw, they saw blinded eyes opened. They saw the paralytic raised. They, they saw the dead, literally dead, come to life. And do you know what they asked Jesus to show them to do? Shocking. Luke chapter 11. Watch this. Of all the things they saw Jesus do, cool party trick, turn water to wine, right? That'd make you some friends. Here's what they asked him. Verse 1. Now it came to pass, he was praying in a certain place, talking about Jesus, when he ceased, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to walk on water. Lord, teach us to fish, and when we get that fish, take a coin out of his mouth and go pay our taxes. Because we know how you feel about taxes in Rome, Lord. We, we know, we know, right? They're projecting on Jesus. Uh, we know. No. Of all the things they saw, the thousands and thousands of wonders and miracles and signs, of all the things they saw, they saw the power was embedded in his what? Prayer life. Communion with God fascinating, fascinating. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said, oh, to pray? Okay, let me um, get you this dissertation. Let me get a couple encyclopedias, a couple commentaries. Let me get Torah. Let me get Mishnah. Let me get a couple things gathered here together for you. Watch how simple, watch how easy, watch how the educated, the uneducated, watch how the tax collector, the farmer, whoever was on the sound of Jesus' voice, watch how easy prayer was. He goes into it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we also forget everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. They said, we want to be like you. We want to pray. And I don't know how many of us have this conversation with God. There's a lot of other things probably coming up, but when's the last time you said, Lord, teach me how to pray? Teach me how to communicate and be intimate with you in such a way that it, just, it changes things in my life. And so although there's a few precepts and principles you can pull from this, I think the main ones I'm going to share with you in three spaces. The first thing that Jesus outlines, the purpose of prayer in this time of prayer and fasting, is going to be this. The first one is intimacy. Someone say intimacy. In Luke 11, 1, he leads everybody there, not to say my father, which would have been accurate. He said, our father. Jesus, he's breaking the mold here, right? Because he was always a God up there, over there, somewhere else. Our father. He's not Hashem, the name, although he is, right? 
He's, he's, he's our Father. And there's this sense where He's just not a creator. He's closer than that. He's, he's closer. He, he's attainable. You can touch Him. You, you can cry and He counts the tears, the Bible says. There's, there's something about the relationship that Jesus had with the Father He wanted to share with you and I this morning. He wanted to share with the disciples in that space that if you don't see Him as a Father, you don't yet know Him. If you see him as an angry judge or someone who can't wait to come against you, someone who's very punitive, you, you, you don't know him. You are not suffering from the sins of your past. He can't wait to forgive you and love you and bless you. The next thing he shows us is this in Luke eleven two. 2. We defer to the will of God. Some people get thrown off with this. When I pray for them and they'll say, hey, can you pray someone's sick or cancer or something else going on in their life or anything? Like I have learned from the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, because Jesus couldn't pray this prayer. He couldn't pray, forgive me of my sins, right? So it's really the model for us, disciples' prayer. We pray, but we're supposed to defer to God's kingdom. So we see this in the prayer. Where else do we see it? In the garden, where Jesus says, Lord, not my will, but your will. So not my kingdom, but your kingdom come. What he's teaching us is this. We're always to defer to God's will, to God's kingdom. We are not infinite. We are finite. We are fleshly. We are biased. We are given to sin. We are given to all kinds of things. So when I'm praying over someone, I do not and I will not pretend to know God's will. And so I pray, Lord, whether it's my family or friends or people around me, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Because I don't know the purpose and the plans you have for this, God. I just know I'm called to come into alignment and agreement with your will and your kingdom come and your will to be done. So we, in this time, and I'm going to ask you to pray big. I'm going to ask you to believe God for the great things. But please always defer to his kingdom come and his will being done. And let me help you out. That doesn't undercut your faith. doesn't undercut your prayer. Got some real spiritual people in here that, that, that think all kind of things, right? They're super spiritual. But please know that doesn't undercut anything. That's saying that God is faithful and that God is able. Next thing is this. In Luke 11:3, we see that he says, give us this day our daily bread. What he's saying there is to be consistent and persistent. Someone say consistent. Someone say persistent. Yeah, prayer is not just uh, before a meal. And prayer is not just before your college entrance exam, right? And prayer is not just when you forget to do the honeydews and your wife shows up and you're watching the Jags game because you're praying and fasting for the Jags to get to the playoffs, right? Consistent and persistent. Look at the imagery that comes from the language he uses, our daily bread. Why not just give us our bread? Good enough. I'd take that. Give us our daily bread. There is a daily walk. There's a daily desire to be in alignment and agreement. There's this, God, I need to be fed from you daily. I want to honor you. I want to be consistent and persistent in communication with you. If prayer is, I don't know, overwhelming to you, just consistent, persistent communication. The way you talk to your best friend, the way you talk to your spouse, the way that when you're done talking to your friend or your spouse, you don't have to say, all right, see you soon. No, you just pick back up when you catch up with them next. Talk to God like that. Pick back up when I'm done with this. When I'm done, like, just pick back up. And, and this is the value that Jesus gives us embedded in the prayer he gives to his disciples. Okay, are you ready for this one? I'm watching my time, don't worry. You ready for this one? If there's a right way to pray, there might be, there could be, can I get a drum roll? Anybody? There might be a wrong way to pray. There just might be. There, there might be a precedent out there. There might be a, a scripture or two out there. A wrong way to pray or a wrong posture of the heart to pray. This will strike fear in your heart as it did mine. There might be a wrong way to pray. Can I give you a couple of those? There's several. I'm going to give you a couple. The first one, if you pray with a posture of bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, yeah, that prayer ain't going real far. Let me show you why. Verse 23 out of Matthew 5. This is Jesus speaking. It should be read in your Bible. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Have you ever been in church and God brings something in your mind like, I don't want to think about that right now, but like you're under conviction? Here it is. Uh, that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, someone say first. Oh, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Does that shock anyone? That when you pray and you harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, watch this, two ways. 
for others or yourself, that's the wrong posture of prayer. That is literally getting in the way. That is literally handicapping what God wants to do in your life. And so some people today, you have to make peace. There are some people who are living rent-free in your mind. Not even paying you rent, they're just living there. Because you're thinking about them and they're not thinking about you. Or the situation that happened to you, the person might not even be alive. The situation transpired, and yes, they did wrong. Yes, they did evil. But it's time to forgive and move on. It's time to acknowledge that it's the best for you to move on. Amen? Got a little quiet there, you guys. Hopefully you're, you're, you're pondering. You're being pensive about that one, I hope. All right, the next one, wrong motives. Oh, this is a tough one because I'm just sure God wants to bless me for me. I'm just very sure God doesn't want me to go through trials. He wanted every single person. Have you noticed this? It's, it's, it's a, every single person, man, woman, child in the Bible who's used by God, watch this, they go through trials. But I'm sure I'm the first one. I'm sure I'm the first marriage. We should not go through trials. I'm very sure of that. Wrong motives. James chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. When you ask, you do not receive. So you and I are going to be praying things in the next 21 days. Process of believing God for the great things, right? You do not receive because you ask with, someone say it with me, wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, we already handled that in the Lord's Prayer, didn't we? Your kingdom come your will be done. God, I'm going to give it to you like I feel it. God, I'm going to say it like I mean it. God, I can be transparent with you. I can just not have to be all King James about it. I can be just very direct. I can use colloquialisms. I can just be me. But Lord, at the end of the day, would you search my heart? At the end of the day, would you know me? At the end of the day, what offends me, would you cut away? At the end of the day, God, would you do the work that you want to do? Do you see the difference here? And not just do, 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 do. Give me, give me, give me, give me. No, 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 no. Make me, make me, make me into whatever you desire. And so you can pray with all these kind of motives, and please don't be mad at God. Please don't call this faith false and fake. Please don't say it's a a, a religion of manipulation. No, there's just precepts and principles to follow. And as a matter of fact, if you're praying with wrong motives, you probably have relationships that have wrong motives. You're the taker, right, instead of the giver. Next one is this. All right, put on your seatbelts, man. Put on your seatbelts, put on your seatbelts, put on your seatbelts. I'm just going to prepare you straight up here. Ready? Dishonoring your spouse. Are you aware that when you pray, if you're not in alignment and agreement, if you're not honoring, God says for husbands to lay down your life for your wife as who? Christ did for the church. The only reason for marriage is to show the example. That's why it says we're not given in marriage in heaven because we already see the fullness of the church. The only reason for marriage is to show God's love for the church. So watch this verse. It's shocking if you've never read it. Husbands. Someone say husbands. Oh, I felt the ladies there more than the guys. Guys, can you participate? Say husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with, someone say respect. The great prophet said R-E-S-P-E-C-T. They remember the great prophet, prophetess. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. Um, weaker partner, don't misconstrue that. Still co-equal, still equal priest, just uh, the, the weaker person uh, physically speaking here. So that nothing will hinder your prayer. Someone say hinder. So you're trying to get me to believe that if I'm dishonoring, disrespectful, don't lay my life down, I don't talk about my feelings or emotion. That's just not where we come from. Yeah, your prayers are hindered. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just not the generation. We're, we're tough and we're Jones and we're Smiths and we're Serranos and we don't apologize. Okay, you don't get your prayers answered either. So <laughs> you make your mind up however you want to walk this thing out, all right? When your playoff team loses today, your prayers were hindered. <laughs> oh, now you want to be a part of the conversation. Now you want to take your wife out for a nice fast-friendly meal, and now you want to pray together, and hey, honey, didn't you want to read Dr. Cloud? Didn't you want to do that? Like, there's something in here that we can't miss, and there's something in here that the devil hopes our generation never sees. You know, someone said it before that the the devil's greatest trick is, is making people think he doesn't exist, making people think he's not involved as he is. This is why you see the destruction of our homes today. He's hindering prayers 
He's hindering spiritual growth. He's hindering all kinds of things. Like you knew somebody like, man, they were so spiritually sound and so close to God. What happened? What happened in their marriage? What happened in their home? Chances are this. And this can go both ways, not just for husbands. This can go for wives. I'm sure God means this to be practical, practical and applicable for, for both ways. But there has to be a reverence of respect and a sacredness, not just of the marriage bed, but, but of, of life in general. Like, don't be someone so hard to get along with. Like, make it a pleasure to come home to. Like, make it uplifting. You know what I'm like? Let, let's, can we be pragmatic for a moment? Stop being so ornery and mean. Stop being so needy. Just, just love each other as Christ loved the church. Okay, here's a thought. Be that person they fell in love with. Be that person you were when you're trying to impress them. You know, we're all trying to impress them for dating. Oh, I impressed Courtney good. Oh, I tricked her good. Oh, I got her good. Our first restaurant is a place called Menenzia's. When she showed up there, I didn't have a nice car, so I took my sister's Ford, Ford Escort. Anybody remember the Ford Escorts? Stick shift, didn't know how to drive it, but I got there. Um, took this Ford Escort, and I got there, and I had a rose waiting on the table for her. A little Italian spot. I didn't know what to order because I don't know Italian food. I had a little rose waiting there for and all that. Uh, consequently, that restaurant burned down. Hope it's not a bad omen. Um, <laughs> do that what you want. But I tricked her good. I tricked her good. Her, her little sister's here. I would pick her up and bring food for her little sister because you got to get the sister on board, right? Her sister loved tacos. So I'd stop by. And get, I just happened to be in the area. And um, yeah, your little sister wants this. So Dominique always loved me, right? I tricked her good. And so please remember who you were when you were dating. Rekindle some of those fires. Rekindle some of those things that I don't know crazy thought you had in common. Put them bad kids to bed. Pay someone money to watch them. You know, do whatever you have to do to rekindle those things. Amen? All right, I've got to finish this. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. Okay, so now misunderstandings of fasting. We talked about praying. Oh, I don't have much time. Misunderstandings of fasting, okay? It sounds over the top. It's like, what are we going to do, not eat? I know it's a crazy thought in our generation, right? What are you going to do, not eat everything I want at all times, at all hours of the night? I know it's a crazy thought. I know, I know. Just go with me here. The misunderstandings of fasting is this. It's for super Christians. A lot of people think that, oh, this is for the tenured folks. They, they serve in the church. They give a lot in the church. They, they've been around forever. It's for the super Christians. Let me help you understand. It's for anyone who wants to draw closer to God. That's what fasting is for. If you want to draw closer to God, if you want to be in alignment agreement, if you want to have discernment and wisdom, if you want to be closer tomorrow and at the other 21 days than you are today, pray and fast with us. That's who it's for. I'm proud to say that in my household, everyone knows how to fast. My wife and I know how to fast. My 21-year-old, my 16-year-old, and yes, my 9-year-old. You'll see that your kids from Kids Church today, Legacy Kids, will come home with a calendar of fast chart. It'll be like sweets and gaming consoles. It'll be computers, not counting uh, school computers. My daughter already asked me if she had to do her homework on the computer. I said, you're not getting away with that. I'm proud to say my house knows how to not just have a good time at the town center. My house has to have a good time watching movies at the movie theater, not a good time on the soccer field or whatever else we're doing as a family. They know how to fast and they know how to pray. Can you say that for your home? Doesn't happen overnight but they know how to. Next is this. It's only about food. That's a misconception with fasting. It's only about food. For some of you, fasting food's nothing. You can do that all day. You're a vegetarian, pescatarian, bad fooditarian, don't really eatitarian. Like, for you, food is not a thing. For you, it might be your stinking and rotten attitude. For you, it might be just being deeper in God's presence and being consistent, being the same person Monday as you were Sunday. Do you see what I'm saying? Fasting is about finding a fast zone. Someone say a fast zone. If you want to get closer to God, you've got to figure out the things in your life that potentially hinder you or keep you distanced from God. For some people during this time, they know exactly what it is. They know it's social media. They know they log way too many hours and too much comparison and all kinds of things that happen they have the, the feeling of missing out on everything because of social media. So that's the first thing they'll cut away. And every time they go to want the social media back, and every time they pick up their phone, they gotta de- I know people have to delete the app because it's just that much ingrained in us. That's some people. Some people, it is other destructive habits, behaviors, language, other things that, you know what, I need to cut this away anyways. I'm going to cut it out now. And what you begin to see is, like, you don't have the taste 
or the flavor for those things anymore. You get a couple days into this fast, you get a couple days into cutting some things out, you wake up with newness and freshness, you're not as convicted, you're not as down or depressed or upset. You're like, man, why, did, why was I doing that anyway? Why, why was I operating in that space? You'll find, you'll be hanging around some conversations and some people, it won't scratch the itch anymore. Like, yeah, they're, this is not my circle. This is, this is not my friend group. You'll, you'll begin to see these things unpack. And I've learned also to make the fast family friendly. If you're responsible, if you have a family at home, please don't be the holier than thou, right? Do something that everyone can participate with. We found over the years, we've been doing this for as long as we've had kids, we have found that no meat works in our house. That's easy enough that kids can participate with and something that we can all do as a family and so we can remember, oh, we want to go get a fill in the blank, right? Anybody feeling some tasties today? No, we're, we're committing to God. We're committing, we're cutting away in the flesh. We're, we're committing this to the Lord. And so that might be something that might encourage someone in that way. But think about fast, friendly things. And specifically, remember, these fast zones, you may try something that may not work. Try something else. You see what I'm saying? This is not religion. It's not rigid. Rigid, religion. It's not religious, and it's not rigid. It's you drawing closer to God in different ways. Um, the last thing that I see here, the misnomers, are it's only about how much uh, I can sacrifice. Like, the more you sacrifice, the more you're going to please God. Well, I'm fasting 17 things. Okay, fantastic. But are you spending time with God when you sacrifice those 17 things? This is where you get in trouble. This is where you get legalistic and a Pharisee. I'm not, and 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 you're still mean and nasty. And you still talk about people who don't think like you, vote like you, act like you, like they're trash. You still make the people who are the mission field, uh, you make them the enemy. Like, let, let's sacrifice one thing and be closer to God. Remember, it's not about how much we, we, we don't do or hurting. It's about how much time we're spending time with God. That is what God is calling us to do. That is what makes prayer and fasting difficult because it's a true cutting away. And let me just, um, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Okay, here's the last things, and I'm going to go. You can come. Let's close this thing out, all right? I need to get to like four quick principles, and we're out of here. We fast to draw close to God and surrender at a deeper level. That's why we fast. We fast to draw close to God and surrender at a deeper level. Joel says this, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart. With what? Fasting. He says, you got to figure out how to get close to me, and it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you cutting away some things. Verse 13 says, so rend your heart, not your garments. Here's the with all your heart part. God says, I'm tired of the lip service. I'm tired of just coming to a service. I'm tired of just listening to a Bible app. Like, I want to see some action. Like, 2023 was a lot of talk. 2024 is now action. And so drawing closer to God at a deeper level is why we fast. Whatever your fast zone is, however you're going to participate, draw closer to him. Return to him in different ways. Next is we fast to get a fresh revelation from God. People say that during times of fasting, they cut away some secular music and some secular habits and behaviors. and Don't freak in some places. They, eh, it might not be. It's kind of a gray area. I might not want to go or do. They think through those things, right? And what they begin to see, I hear it every year, is like I'm hearing God more clearer hearing God more clear. Like when I go from, 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 from 10 drinks to one, I'm hearing him more clear. I don't know why. It's just, I'm hearing him more clear. Um, there's this beautiful scripture that says in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And what that's a depiction of, anybody remember the back in the day when we had radios? Remember, remember radios? But do you remember traveling with that radio when you didn't have like your favorite station? What would you do? And kids don't know what I'm doing right now. What would you do? that little tune button, right? You're trying to get your station. It didn't matter if it was country. You would listen to it because it was music on the road. And what happens now is you're going to start to cut some things away. You're tuning your ear. You're cutting, you know, binge-watching Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and Disney. We're in trouble, y'all. Anybody know? We're in trouble. We got a lot of things going on. And you begin to tune that ear. Man, what am I going to do with all my time? Man, what? What was I doing before I had all this time on my hands? And you begin to hear God say things, because remember, this time is not all about talking. It's about sitting and listening. Sitting and listening. This is not a, a marriage seminar, but sitting and listening. Right? Sitting and listening and, and attuning your ear. He says, it, he says, my sheep know my 
voice. And if you have so much confusion in your life, my question to you is, do you know his voice? It's not normal to be confused about everything in life. It's normal to have one or two things. I'm not sure, but if there is the vast majority of things in life, you don't know God's will, God's direction, where he's leading you, that's problematic. Would you cut some things away for 21 days to hear his voice, attune to his voice? The next is fasting is about increasing our faith, not changing God, but changing us. I already told, I mentioned it. You are not trying to get God to be someone different, do something different. We're trying to get us to be different, for us to do something different. Remember, God has already had your life planned out. In Matthew 17, we referenced this last week, but Jesus is like, because of your unbelief, because of your lack of pressing into me, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move here or there. What you'll find out is you're going to regain your mustard seed. Some of you lost your mustard seed faith in 2023, 2022. Who knows, 2018, who knows? You lost it somewhere. You used to pray big and believe big and seek God's face, but after a couple of unanswered prayers, after a couple of rough seasons and rough patches and relationships and financial things, whatever, you lost your seed. And Jesus told them, you're unfaithful, you're unbelieving, get your seed back. Get your seed back. Believe big again. Pray big again. Believe that God is up to more than you think he is. Believe that God has a plan not just for your neighbor, but for the person you've been scrolling through on social media. Believe his plan is already happening for you. Believe that he's a God of providence. Believe that he formed the smith that blew on the coals that formed the weapon against you. Anyone ready to believe again? Get your seed back. And here's the last one. We fast to deny the flesh. I'm telling you what, I don't know what all this is going to amount to, but it's scary, the fact that you and I, we can sit on our couch and do our entire life. I get what I want to when I want on TV. I get what I want when I want when I shop with Amazon. As a matter of fact, I don't even have to think about people anymore. I'll just order a gift card and give it to them, right? I get what I want when I want it at any time. I'm not sure how that plays out long-term in our culture. Like, no longer having delayed gratification. You see it in our kids. We're the most connected, we're the most free, but the most anxiety-ridden ever. This generation has the most anxiety we've ever seen, the most medical dependence. Like, we are the most free, but the most bound. So I'm just going to say it like this. Like, we need some discipline. And this will teach you discipline. Whatever your fast zone is, whatever you and your friends, your college age, your students, whatever you and your spouse or singles want to get together, like, whatever you guys, like, hey, yeah, we're going to keep each other accountable. Whatever you agree upon, Watch how quick the knee-jerk reaction of your flesh. And you're going to see how important this time is. Paul says like this in Corinthians. I love his language. He says, but I discipline my body. One translation says I beat it. I discipline my body and bring it to subjection. He says, this isn't normal. That whatever emotions, feelings, whatever I feel like doing in the moment, I'm led by it. That's not normal. Not according to the Bible. Life is it's about following your heart. That's a lie. Find your truth. Where? What street do you turn on? When you arrive at your truth, how do you know that you're there? Who tells you? Discipline. Subjection to the word of God. Because he's going to lead you and guide you in his ways. Don't miss this sacred and powerful time of prayer and fasting. Don't let anything hinder you. Don't be discouraged if you try and you got to try something else or you try every day and you go to buy every other day or half a day. Or Don't be discouraged. Just know God will meet you where you are. Amen? He will meet you where you are. And all I can tell you as an eyewitness, I watched generations before me, my parents, my grandparents fast. I've taken it now in my life, my family, and we have grown every single year. When we take an opportunity to bring this flesh under submission, to start disciplining this flesh, like no, no flesh, no Carlos, you don't get to respond to every whim you want to. That's not how this life works. We are to be obedient and faithful to the Lord. And so as we close our time out together, I want you to really pray and process. Maybe you're ready for it this year, maybe you're not. You gotta, you gotta talk with God about that. But if you're ready for it this year, would you think about how you're gonna participate? 
Would you pray big? Would you pray bold? Would you trust God, not for the timing of what he's going to do, but for the alignment of what he's going to do? He's already got your life planned out. Psalm, the psalmist says he knew you as an embryo. He watched you form. He knew your days before you walked into them. It's already done. But can you just have a trust and expectancy that he's as good as the Bible says he is? God, thank you. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for this awesome, inspiring opportunity to draw close to you through prayer, through fasting, through connecting as a church body, in the building, online. Lord, we want more of you. We declare right now, we want more of you than anything we're going to fast. We want more of you than anything this world offers. We want more of you than anything that we can upgrade, that we can buy, that can be gifted to us, that can come from a will. We want more of you than anything the stock market can give us. We want more of you than any promotion on this earth. We want the things that can't have an earthly value. We want the eternal things, God. Position our hearts, God. Teach us to pray. Protect us from the ways not to pray and the wrong postures, I pray. And lastly, with your heads bowed, if you're far from Jesus, I want to welcome you the opportunity to be close to him. I want to welcome you the opportunity to draw close to him in your walk and in your life. Some of you have prayed a prayer and you've walked away and others have never prayed a prayer. The beauty is, Today's the day to rededicate your life or for the first time to welcome Jesus into your life. And so if that is you in the building or online, I'm going to have you bow your head and pray this prayer with us here today as you welcome the Lord into your life for the first time or maybe you rededicate him into your life. Let's pray, church. Lord God, we believe in you. We value you. We welcome you into our lives. We repent of our sins and pray for a hunger for you, your word, and discipleship the rest of our days. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Put your hands together for all those who prayed that prayer today. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, please check out our website at LegacyChurchAI.org or follow us on social media at LegacyChurchAI. We'll see you next time.